Why all those people crying? Watch out for the double crust. Is it for something they've lost? Teardrops and clubs cast. Why all those people crying? Mafia, what else? Is it Black Wax, skit. I used to get confused, choosing my battles wisely. I had to pick and choose. My friends came. Still was the same person, so it couldn't affect me. It never got bigger than me. And I see the same, you know, thing with yourself as far as being connected with all your homies. How you started off and how it was all about you and your homies. That's what it was about with me, me and my homies, making sure everybody eat, making sure everybody's involved. <clears throat> but as you grow, you lose certain homies because it's called closing the gap. This is the gap when we start. This is the gap as you grow. Notice how you grow and they don't. So how do you close the gap? You got to come back down. When you come back down, you lose. So you got to keep going up. That's why closing the gap got to be them catching up to you. And if they don't catch up, you got to leave them behind because you get to the point now where you got to start cutting out. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you can't look back when you cut them out because if they meant to be there, they're going to be there. Yeah, because yeah, I had to cut out family members before. Me and my cousin Dad fell out before. When me and him fell out, it was like, how do you fall out with, I taught you everything you know. I put you in the game and you go against me. But that's what the laws of the game do. It, it puts you in a position to where sometimes you have to have these types of situations to see who really supposed to be there. Indeed. This shit ain't made for everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like everybody ain't going to be a fucking star. Everybody ain't going to be the shit. Everybody ain't going to be what you are. It was 60 niggas that you was rapping with. And out of them 60, you the motherfucking one. And you can go back and try to help all 60 of them. But guess what? Ain't none of them going to ever be you. And I done done it many times where I done tried to make niggas stars, rapped on their shit, took them on tour, damn near gave niggas my shoes, my clothes, my everything. Here you can have all. I can't make you a star. Stars are born, they're not made. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, if you ain't born one, you can't make one. And you can't take your energy and put it into somebody and make them what you are. I had to cut a lot of niggas out that I really felt like, you know, man, I wonder how he doing. You know what, I can't worry about how he doing. Because if I worry about how he doing, then I'm going to miss a beat. And I might miss my lines on stage. And they may not want to pay me sure like they've been paying me. Sure I got to get this money. Nah, but Snoop is saying some real shit. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel that. I mean, you know, we talked I mean, we talked about it before on a podcast. Just like, you know, as we grow as people, you know what I'm saying? Like, our mindsets change and obviously the people around us, their mindsets change and you know what I'm saying? Or like he was mentioning, maybe their mindsets stay, stay the same. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So as, as we grow as people, it's like, you know, we got to make decisions, you know, about who, who we leave behind and shit like that. I feel like luckily for me, like, you know, I feel like life has naturally made those decisions for me. It's never really had to be like a conscious decision I have to make. I mean, first of all, I don't have some big circle where I got like a bunch of niggas who I got to leave behind. And I know that that's different for everybody. And, you know, the reason for that, I mean, it's a multitude for me, you know, it's like I'm somebody who as a child, I moved around a lot. So, you know, I don't really have like these super long childhood friends because, you know, life just didn't allow that for me. And then second of all, 
you know, I'm just not a very popular person. I'm, I've never been that, you know, so I never just had like a whole bunch of people around me. It's always been kind hey, of a close-knit circle. That's important. It's important that you identified that and addressed it that way because part of what Snoop was talking about is a lot of niggas don't understand that. Like a lot of niggas don't like a lot, a lot of niggas want, they don't know who they are. So they want to be this in his terms, the star, right? But for your everyday person, right. like they want to be that popular person. They want to be this, they want to be that. So I'll continue, but I wanted to make sure that we highlight it. Like that's, that's being able to look at yourself like glass self. Like you can see yourself. Yeah, who I you mean, really are. I mean, you'll you'll never grow like you'll just never grow until you just, you know, be honest with yourself. And, you know, because I don't know, I just feel like you once you be honest with yourself, then you can be your best self. As long as you ain't honest with you, like you'll never be the best you can be mm. because you'll always be weighed down by like this false sense of who you are. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's that's important. And, you know, for some people, that realization come at different times and. You know, I mean, for me, it was college, bro. Like it was college. It's like, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I always been somebody with, uh, I would say a considerable high level of confidence, um, you know, borderline arrogance, um, especially early, uh, you know, but at some point, you know, and I just tweeted this and, you know, I, I was, and, and really I just had this conversation with my close friends is just like, you know, like a wise man knows he knows nothing. You know what I mean? And I really had to, it's crazy because I had to expand my mind to understand that I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know everything. Like, I don't know everything. And it, you know, at some point you think you know everything and, you know, you'd be wondering why you'd be turning people off. Right. And why people be turned off by you, you know, maybe by the things that you say or, you know, your attitude towards things. And, you know, when I was young, I'm just like, man, you know, like niggas really can't like they can't gel with my, uh, you know, borderline arrogance. Right. Like they can't gel with my self-confidence because like they like my mindset was they have a perspective of me. And, you know, because I don't like because my confidence seems to be above what they think of me, then they think like I'm just some arrogant dude. And, you know, these niggas really don't know that, you know, they think that I'm down here, but I'm actually up here. So that was my mindset. So I kind of like resented a lot of people for that because I'm just like, man, you know, like I said, I just felt like I knew it all. And, you know, niggas around me and then ain't no much, you know what I mean? And, you know, and it really wasn't until a little bit later when, I don't know, man. I really don't know what was the catalyst for it, but you know, my mindset just started changing and I just started understanding that, you know, as people, I mean, we're all our individual self. We all got our own paths that we walk. Uh, you know, I always speak on this podcast just about like perspective and how important that is. Uh, and you know, I really had to change my perspective. First, it started with being honest with yourself. Right. And I started, I started coming to the realization, you know, we talk about how perception is reality. I mean, it is. So, you know, I can I could dismiss how everybody perceive me and be like, I don't give a fuck how niggas perceive me. I know who I am and this, that and the other. But, you know, the way people perceive me is reflective of the energy that I'm giving off. Mm. Like it's, you know, niggas, you could run from that all you want, but that's just the truth. So if, if niggas feel you this way and maybe deep down you like, well, I'm not this way. Well, you got to ask yourself, well, why niggas feel you that way? 
Why do they think you're that way? I mean, it's it's got to be something you're doing. Now, sometimes it is just niggas hating, right? But, you know, sometimes it really is what you, you know, the energy you put out, whether it be your tone, your facial expressions, you know, just the way you interact. Because, and as we get older, and I know you somebody who understand this, like, you know, just just the way people... You know, like the like when you telling somebody some shit and just how they respond to it, like it, it it speak a lot to them. Like it speak a lot to them, you know. And and I think it's definitely I might get a little off topic here. It's definitely important for like friendship. Like, and I was just watching a video like that really reiterated this for me. It's like you know when you tell your friends some good news and like they immediately try to tell you some good news and they lie for some shit. Like they don't even want to celebrate with you. It's just like you know they want to flip it back on themselves all the time. And you know it's you know, it, it speak to the person, like it speak to the person It speak to that energy. And it's, and going back to what Snoop is saying is like, as we growing and especially, you know, whether it be in our career, which I, I know he was specifically speaking to. And just so everybody know, this is a conversation Snoop was having with ASAP Rocky. So he's speaking with ASAP Rocky, you know, just kind of talking about, Hey, you know, how he admire him for kind of how he put his crew on, but also letting him know the dangers of, you know, when you got a lot of people around you. And, you know, you feel the obligation to either stay with them niggas, obviously stay with your day ones. That's what we always talk about and things like that. But, you know, as we grow, you know, you're going to have certain people who can grow with you. And then you're going to have certain people who, you know, they they jealous, you know, and say, or they want what you got. And they they can't even be genuinely happy, happy for you because, you know, they got shit going on in their life. And, you know, they like, oh, I shit going right for Alex and it ain't going right for me or some shit like that and you know anybody like that i mean you got to cut them off you know what i'm saying like you just have to but you know going back to me personally is like i really f- haven't felt like i had to cut people off it's just more so you naturally grow a part of people and you know the niggas who i'm still cool with i mean we still cool for a reason you know what i mean so you know my close friends and you know i I always talk about how I'm a family dude. So it's like, you know, it's my fam over everything. So, you know, my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, you know, my wife is like, you know, these, these, the people who, who been growing with me, they didn't see me and seeing, you know, all the places I've been, all the mindsets I've had, you know, cause like I said, I'm not, I'm not who I was five years ago. And the nigga who I was five years ago, definitely ain't the nigga who I was 10 years ago is just, it's an evolution. And as we evolve, you know, our, our circles got to evolve too. the people around us got to evolve. And then if they're not willing to evolve, then shit, it's a wrap. No saran. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that also goes to being in positions where because of who you are or how you are with people, not you specifically, but just in general, like, right. It could make it easier for people to fall off, you know, the way that they should. I know for me, that hasn't that hasn't necessarily been the case. Like, there was a time in my life where I struggled a lot with, I guess, the easiest way to, like, I guess, put it image imagery wise would be like having survivor's remorse. Right. Like mm-hmm. you remembering what people were to you in a specific time period in your life. And then you wake up one day and then they don't, they don't mean that anymore. (laughs) They're not that anymore. Mm -hmm. But the tie to, you know, that time period or what, what that time period may have meant in your development sometimes keeps you from, 
you know, severing the access. And mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of people struggle with that because they don't want to be, you know, you society tells us, you know, you don't want to be fake, right? You don't want to act phony. But a lot of us aren't really real enough with ourselves to understand, like, is it really you being phony? Or is it you understanding that these people no longer serve you and you no longer serve those people? Right. So acknowledging them does nothing but, like I said, you know, reconnect you know, time and favors. Mm-hmm. And it makes you remember, like like we talked about before, you know, time is one of the most dangerous things because it can keep you in situations and it can keep you out of situations. And it's the right. only thing you can't get back. So, it, and you know, most of the time we think of things much better or much worse than they actually were. And so yep. when you don't, when you're not real with yourself, like I think about me, I graduated in 2014. It's 2020. So I haven't been in college in, you know, six years. If I think back to people who I was friends with, let's say my sophomore, junior year of college, right? For me, that could feel way more recent than eight and a half years ago. Right. (laughs) Depending on the person, depending on the situation, depending on the thing that happened. And so... Like, I think when you say yours started in college, I, I also feel the same way. It's like when I got to when I got to college, I was able to be who it was that I always wanted to be. And that was me mm-hmm. because I felt like for a lot of my life, I was either playing a role that I was supposed to that was supposed to get me to the place that I ended up getting to or I had to do what I needed to do to fit in because, hell, you don't want to be the kid that don't have no friends. <laughs> true so you adjust true. you adapt you you figure these things out but college for me was a brand new frontier i knew i knew i wanted to leave with an amazing experience and i wanted to be able to leave my mark and i was blessed to be able to do those things but i would i was what you know people would have categorized as a pretty either well-known or popular guy mm. from probably the time i like midway through the first semester of college so that's all i knew until i got to the point where i was like i don't want to do this shit no more because <laughs> i found myself right. have you create ties with people where they think you friends but you ain't really friends and then in that environment shit gets haywire so you get to the point where I know for me, I realize, okay, this is something that doesn't serve me anymore. This isn't even really me no more. Like, I don't like doing all this shit. I'd rather be in the house. <laughs> and once I kept it real with myself, I started to see, quote unquote, friends, like you said, gradually, you know, die themselves off. All right. And that's, and that's just the truth. I mean, and I think what you're saying is, you know, just facts. I mean, it's just like, you know. At some point, you got to just start living for you. Mm-hmm. And and also, one thing that you said I wanted to uh, kind of double back on is like, you know, when you, when people think you're being fake or phony, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, once you come to this, like have this, I guess, period of enlightenment where you're like, OK, actually, you know, I'm really not even trying to fuck with this person. You know, I think I think a lot of times, you know, it'd be like like I realized I, I was actually being fake before. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like I was being phony, even acting like I even liked you or, you know, we was cool. Like, I, you know, or, 
just like you were saying, you know, maybe you living up to what you think you're supposed to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, actually, I'm I'm being real now yeah, by not fucking with I you. I was right. I was being fake when I was because yeah, you don't you don't you don't add anything to my life, and not to make every situation or relationship transactional, but you get to a certain right. point in your life where non-transactional relationships have to serve a very personal purpose for you, right? Like you may mm-hmm. have that one friend that you know ain't gonna ever get right. <laughs> they gonna and that's and that's tough. But if you so choose, that that may be the one person that you say, you know what, this isn't. A, I'm I have a relationship with this person because that's my name. <laughs> like fuck mm-hmm. it, that's who it is. Yeah. But I mean, some people you just like being yeah, around, right? I mean, you, you may like your conversation, yeah. But more often than not, who you consider your actual friends, it's gonna be a sense of transactionalism there because they say you're a direct mm-hmm. reflection of. The five people who you're the closest to by choice, mm-hmm. right? Not by force, by choice. So if these are, if the people who you call your friends are, don't reflect what it is that you have going on, you got to ask yourself about that, that relationship and whether or not you okay with it. Cause there's a level of transaction with everything. You, you could be the friend in the group that, is really up on what's happening in real life. And that could be the only purpose you serve to somebody as their friend because they they know you enough to tell you what it is that's going on with the things you care about. Like that could mm-hmm. be an example of a friendship, but see oftentimes we don't know how friendships or relationships mature and how we mature with them, right? We have an expectation that you know as our life changes those friends will just be along for the ride not understanding those relationships change like who i who i could be the very closest to when i was single was very different from who i could be the very closest to once i got in a relationship definitely and then once you once that relationship goes to the next level right then it's an added layer of okay because now you you got to position yourself in situations that not only are going to be beneficial for you, but they're not going to be detrimental to either your relationship or you in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's, I mean, my, there's no yeah. blueprint to this I mean, shit. Like, true. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, I think it's. It's important, man. I mean, it's important. It's an important realization, you know, for everybody to come to. And, you know, it's like, you know, just to be honest with yourself. You know, I mean, that's where it start. It start with just being honest with yourself because, uh, I mean, I feel like life start at that point. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, just like you talk about you like a lot of times niggas come to college and um, or really just, you know, post high school. Yeah, because obviously everybody don't go to college, but post high school, uh, you know, it's. It's like that's when you really got to start looking in the mirror, you know, and and you can either try to fit into, you know, what niggas expect you to be and, uh, you know, or you could be yourself. But sometimes, you know, it's hard when niggas don't accept you being yourself. Right. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, you talk about finding friends and things like that. It's like, you know, it's it's a tough groove to get in. Um, now the thing is, I mean, that's what I can say. I mean, when I got to school, cause like I said, I mean, I feel like it's been a little tough for me and you know, this is personal gripes. I mean, I talked about how I kind of moved around as a child and it ain't like, I'm like some military brat. I was going from city to city, but I just feel like I made a move 
at I just feel like a critical time in your youth, you know, as you becoming a teenager mm-hmm. is when I, you know, moved to Memphis and uh, you know, I was a little resentful just of the move in general. I was just like, man, this shit is just too much. You know, you grow up with niggas and now you not only in a new city, I'm talking about this a whole new environment. Like yeah. this shit is just completely different than what you used to. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, it's like, okay, you you thug it out, right? You get some friends and shit, and then okay, now you're going to college. I mean, where, you know, probably majority of people who you was tight with, you, you know, you're no longer seeing them. Cause you're, you're away, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So now it's kind of like starting over. Um, now, I mean, I know when I went to school my thing was, was like, yo, like I'm finna be myself. Like I, I enjoy having a fresh start, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. it's like when you in high school, it's like, I don't know. It's like with every year, I mean, niggas still remember you from last year, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So they just gonna look at you the same. So, you know, it's kind of hard to just make an abrupt, abrupt shift. Uh, you know, in terms of your perception, but you go to college and I mean, like you said, it's a fresh start. You know what I'm saying? You can get involved. You can, you know, meet new people and shit like that. And uh, obviously you're quote unquote an adult, you know what I mean? So that's a fresh start for you. Um, And I know for me, I was just like, look, I'm about to be myself. Like I'm about to be myself and I'm going to be my true self. See, but the the thing is, they, I, I really ain't know who I was. But see, that's I really the, just that's didn't the crazy know. thing when you look at it in hindsight, right? Cause I know, so you like to your point and high, high school is really just a natural selective caste system where whatever right. the culture is at your high school before you got there you are going to fall into a a caste once you get there like that's just kind of how True. they work it don't matter how big or how small the city you no know, how how private or public the school is it's just kind of what happens because you when you are young you base everything off of what it is that you see. Right. Especially at that vulnerable age, because you're too scared to ask. So you just going <laughs> to fall in the damn line. And then when you get to college, right, because I used to be one of those people, right? I used to be like, man, niggas, niggas killed me going to college and reinventing themselves. Like, nigga, you was lame as hell. I mean, everybody, everybody. You was lame like, as you hell know, I here. used to see that all you the time. You was lame as hell there. Like, you still gonna be a lame-ass nigga. But <laughs> what you don't realize is, you know, maybe that nigga was considered lame in high school because of his <laughs> socioeconomic situation, right? So niggas just didn't right. care to talk to the nigga because he wasn't fresh. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to college right you know he get his first refund check and you know refund check cutting first week <laughs> first week refund check getting cut now he can just be low key the whole first week get that refund check the first time he get money he may have impeccable style he go get to lace himself mm-hmm. with the things that you know he actually like he ain't trying to be a new nigga he just has the means now or yeah. the opportunity and yeah. I when I thought right. about this shit, I was like, damn, that you you don't realize it until you look at it from your own perspective and my own story. Cause it was like all I knew was basketball, track, and I need to get to college. That was four years of high school for me. Mm-hmm. So when I got to college, it was like shit, I'm here now. <laughs> who the fuck am I? What, I mean, who, who the fuck am I? What, yeah, what the fuck am I? I mean, it's real. I mean, and and I love that you brought up, you know, just and niggas still be like this to this day. Like, you know, niggas will really they'll hold you to your perception in high school. And, you know, when we was in college, I mean, that didn't seem like unreasonable at the time. But now that we older and you got the perspective, you like, bro, that is the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> it is the dumbest shit to be like, 
yo, like niggas was was whack or lame in high school and now they trying to change. Like, no, nah, nigga. I mean, that is just the most <laughs> simple mindset ever. And, you know, a part of that is because, you know, I can, I know, just like I was just talking about, you come to school and it's like, you may have a realization of like, you know, I'm just finna like be myself. And it's like, you could be the same nigga. You could be the exact same nigga, but your perception is different, right? Mm -hmm. Like niggas was just, you weren't a part of the right clique when you was in high school, but you get to college and now you find some people who, you know, they similar to you, you find you a clique. And uh, because of that, you know, maybe you do gain some popularity or gain some friends and, you know, niggas who knew you before be like, look at this nigga trying to, you know, trying to be somebody or do something. I'm like, bro, that is the same nigga. <laughs> like, he just found like, this people dude who, is exactly. Who, he just found people who was on his level or people who, who were right. like minded. Like, I think what and this can transition us into, you know, some other things, but it's like. We don't realize that proximity controls a lot of our lives until we are 18. Mm -hmm. True. All, for the most part, our views, what we think, how we think is, is shaped by proximity. Whether you are completely for everything around you or you, you in it and you fucking hate it. It's still shaping your view. And so it's like. When people have the opportunity, maybe it's not college. Maybe they just move the fuck away from wherever. After they graduated mm -hmm. high school, it's like you're going to go through these transitions where you look up and the people who you couldn't imagine your life without when you was 18, you look up and you like, I pray that all is well. <laughs> <laughs> you do like this. How your mom this, doing this, <laughs> Like, you know. How you, how your sister know? So it's 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 cool. I, I definitely wanted to <laughs> wanted to see what you thought about that because it's it's hard. Yeah, man. It's it's hard. If you aren't emotionally mature, it's hard to process. Right. And you gotta be real, bro. You just gotta be real. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The good you gotta take the good and the bad. Yep. You know, and I love I love acknowledging the bad. I love being able to just look back and acknowledge. Like I was saying, like though, I was like some arrogant ain't had no business being arrogant you know what i mean but that's just i mean that's who i was hey, that was me that's too. who i was that was me it's people to you this know, that, day that was just me who still do not like me or will never support this show <laughs> strictly because of how i used to come off and I, I i mean i get it i used to come off uh yeah. i used to come off away but i believed it see the difference with me and a whole bunch of other <laughs> niggas is niggas be trying to act like they like arrogant and they don't really right. believe it. So you can tell they're arrogant. The reason right. why it's people out there who don't like me for that very reason is because they knew for a fact I believed everything I was saying. <laughs> I know I believe my like, shit, though. Every, I know I believed every, it, bro. Every extra over-the-top, like, extra fly shit that I thought about myself and would give off, I believe that shit 100%. And when you, I feel and, bad, man. I feel bad I was ever that way. <laughs> and when you believe it, right, it ain't nothing nobody can say to you. So you in it, right? You comfortable in it. Like, you mm -hmm. good. But see, <laughs> yeah. it makes well, other... Y'all niggas got it fucked up. I, I got it figured <laughs> out. Y'all niggas got it fucked up. It makes other people uncomfortable. Because a lot of the times, other people don't have that level of supreme confidence. Like, it t it's taken me... So I was that person. Right. And then I went through a period that, you know, truth be told, I'm just now coming out of where my confidence was super low. Like, mm -hmm. 
It, it was like it bottomed out. I woke up one day and it bottomed out, right, for whatever reason. But the more that I grow and learn about, you know, having these transitions in your life and sometimes, you know, what they can mean, what I've picked up is a lot of the reasons why you feel the way that you feel about that version of Alex, right? Is because you've experienced somebody like that and you can acknowledge that that was also you. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of times we ignore the fact that the reason why some people looked at it a certain way had nothing to do with you, it had everything to do with them. Yep. And so like figuring out that balance is the the biggest thing and if you can't if it's if it's a struggle for you to figure it out within yourself it's like you when you try to throw in the people around you and that ever revolving door it's like you know it's it's a lot to process so i i say all of that to say you know make sure y'all are closing the gap make sure y'all are closing the proper gaps right it, I mean, it, you got to man i mean it's critical it's critical to growth. Yeah. I love growth. I love getting older. That shit is lit. Yo, man, it's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, but scared to kick reality. Nigga from the murder mint. Stood tall, hit a nigga for 1036. Is all he wanted to do was boil and spread the rock around. Build my foundation on solid ground. Always in and out of town. Hey, man, waking man, up what's good? It's your boy AC. Uh, welcome to the After Five Podcast, your after work vibe. Uh, you know, I'm joined every week. Air, air week, air week from uh, my bad man. I'm joined every week by my esteemed co-host, man. Who, who, who is this? Who am I? It's your boy Nate V, aka Nate Bigger, aka Papa Nate, aka Chill Sky Wade from Kim Possible's Chill, Chill, Chill Sky Wade from Kim Possible's first cousin, aka. The young OG, what's good, man? How you how you living this week, AC? Hey, man, you know, every week above ground is a good week, hey. so I'm blessed. Hey. I'm extra blessed. Hey, I, well, I I I got some shit I gotta update the people on this week, man. Damn, I know we shit. thirty minutes in, but we got some topics that we definitely need for y'all to hear and understand because over the weekend we found out that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Famously known as the notorious RBG uh transition. Damn, red, blue, green. <laughs> this nigga's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, when I saw it, I was like, damn, the primary colors <laughs> passed away. Uh she passed away. For those of you who don't know, she was a giant in not only, you know, American um politics and and our justice system and in making necessary reforms and questioning powers to be but she was a a giant in democracy and uh one of the last hopes of maintaining some level of balance in the highest court in the land um the supreme court uh you know for the democratic party so this is important and this is what i want niggas to understand why it's so important obama had the opportunity to a Point a Supreme Court justice in 2016, and he was not allowed to do so. One, because he didn't have the majority, but two, because they voted and said that that should happen in the next presidency. So whoever won should be the one to appoint the judge. Well, of course, we know who won the 2016 election. 
And Donald Trump was able to appoint a Supreme Court justice. Now, when you look at federal judges, it took Barack Obama to appoint eight federal circuit judges. Donald Trump, three weeks ago, got eight passed in three days. You know why? It's crazy, bro. Because he has the majority. Quiet. Mm. Right. I'm talking about I didn't see it on any major news outlet. Right. So mm-hmm. when Justice Ginsburg passes, the initial thought, you know, from I guess a, a non personal space, right? Because when somebody loses life, you want to take the time to reflect on the life that they had as well as, you know, their impact. But the second immediate thought had to be what happens now. Okay. Because I want to remind you all, Democrats do not have the majority in the Senate. So, gotcha. what this means is you are going to need Republicans to flip on the party and vote to not allow the president to install or nominate a new justice before the election. Now, you ask, why is this important? Well, I will tell you why it's important, right? One of the things that the Republican Republican Party has been fighting to do, and we've seen them do it slowly, slowly over time, and we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, um, but what they want to do is overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, what does that mean, Nathan? Well, what it means is if they overthrow Roe v. Wade, that means when it comes to abortion rights, all of those states' laws that were passed last year that technically can't be enforced because federal law supersedes state law would then become law. The overturning of Roe v. Wade, whether slightly or a complete overhaul would result in states being able to mandate and make the laws for their states on whether or not abortion is legal. Now that's Mm -hmm. important because we saw what the passings of the state laws did just in theory, right? We saw the uproar. Right. We saw the the mass hysteria of people not knowing, you know, what was going to change. Well, all of those things mm-hmm. will become the letter of the law. Now, this is also going to put some people in a, in a difficult situation. The Senate has to vote on it. There are some states that are having early elections, which these elections begin and end prior to you know, the federal election that includes the presidency mm-hmm. in which Senate seats can be lost by Republicans. Okay. Which means there is a shot in the dark that they may not have all of the votes. We could flip one. I think a big battleground state right now is Arizona, right? The issue there, though, is they're only eyeing two or three states where the incumbent will likely not return and there will be a flip of party. You need four people (laughs) to flip. So that means we would have to have two people take seats in the Senate in early voting states on top of two Republicans who also give up their seats. That's just to break it even. Now, you want to know the kicker here? What's that? Mike Pence is the tiebreaker. <laughs> mm. 
So well, that's that's not uh that's not um <laughs> encouraging. So I'm letting people know the likelihood that Donald Trump gets to confirm yet another Supreme Court justice is almost a guarantee. So what is so I mean I go ahead. It's is the biggest and I don't I don't want to cut you off, but it's like is the biggest concern here is like is Roe v. Wade like our largest concern in terms of no. there being, you know, this majority, or so, is that just one of our concerns? Roe v. Wade is the tip of the iceberg. So what you've consistently mm-hmm. seen right throughout the Trump administration is they're con- they they are continuously ousting judges who don't vote or make judgments along the party line and replacing them mm-hmm. with judges that will. Right? There are a lot of people on Trump's shortlist for um, the Supreme Court justice seat of RBG, right? You have uh, mm-hmm. Barbara Lagoa, who I personally think he will choose only because she's she's a minority woman and She's in Miami, Dade County right now. And so when you look at the Hispanic population across this country, if he can get them to vote in droves because he put a Hispanic presenting woman, you know, on the Supreme Court, it's historic. It's going to be historic, number one. Number two, it's going to get people who he would never be for and has explicitly not been for. Mm-hmm. It gives them a, a, you know, what we would call a black history moment. Similarly, right? So when you look at, we, we are recording this on Wednesday. Um, we just received the uh, Breonna Taylor verdict. The attorney general in that case, uh, Daniel Cameron, formally, so he was formerly Mitch McConnell's legal counsel, right? And guess what else he's on? Mm-hmm. The shortlist for the Supreme Court justice seat that was just vacated by RBG. So it's like I, I told people on Twitter, like, you have to understand this is politics versus people. And anytime people choose politics, the people are going to always lose. There was no way Breonna Taylor's murderers were going to be charged of anything that would put them in jail. You know why? Because that goes against the Donald Trump law and order. I'm against Black Lives Matter. I'm against anything that's disrupting what we call our America. It didn't fit the narrative. And when you on when you are on the short list to be a Supreme Court justice, this ain't just no regular appointment, guys. This is a lifelong appointment. We are replacing right. somebody who has been a judge for the last half of her entire life. So, no, you're not going to get justice for Breonna Taylor, unfortunately. May she rest in perfect peace. But it's not going to happen because it was politics at play. Mm. So, I mean, do you think if there were if there weren't politics in play that, you know, the same decision wouldn't have come? Because, I mean, I I mean, I definitely think the politics do play a factor uh, in, in solidifying the decision. But, you know, I was thinking this decision was going to happen one way or the other. I'll say this. If there were no politics at play it wouldn't have come out the way that it did. If okay. there were no politics at play, they would have been found not guilty. They wouldn't have been charged or indicted for anything. I'm following you. But they had to set it up. 
they had to make it look okay. We 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 charged, we indicted, but not gonna serve no jail time. And you know, it was the charges for shooting the neighbors. Walls, not yeah. I thought that. I thought you know. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I would have expected you know full acquittal before they you know like i don't know don't i mean don't piss on me and tell me it's raining man you know it's just like i don't know if you're gonna do something i mean don't do some bullshit like saying okay you know we're gonna get you for you know like you just said the the shooting into the neighbor's apartment and then you know i think i read somewhere where you know it's the white neighbor and they also shot into the black neighbor's apartment but there were no you know charges for that you know what i mean and in terms of the you know like I said, I didn't want to I didn't want to take away from obviously our conversation just about the judge thing. Uh, but, you know, it's just the Breonna Taylor case. I mean, you know, it's just on my mind. And, you know, this is something I've kind of talked about before in terms of, you know, a lot of times we'll just never know the truth. We'll never know the truth. It's like, of course, we have an idea of the truth. You got this truth that, the, you know, this attorney general is trying to advise us you know exactly what happened but you know i just think it's unfortunate that you know a lot of these cases end up where there's all this talk about what happened and you know it's like we just don't know what happened you know what i mean and and for me it's really tough for me because i really just don't be knowing what to believe you know what i'm saying because there's been a, obviously a lot of misinformation that's been released but it's hard for me to determine even what's misinformation and what's not you know what i mean so um you know, that one, that one is definitely tough for me, but you know, I, I think you bring up a good point and you know, I mean, I know you sent me the thing from the daily, uh, you know, speaking with the woman, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, the importance of, you know, them trying to get this judge through, you know, before the election and things like that. And obviously the impact that it could potentially have a uh, force in the near future. And, you know, and, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's troubling times, man. It's like, you know, could this be the real shit? You know what I'm saying? Like that a lot of people are not even aware of. I mean, even it's like, I, I kind of keep up with it, but you know, even I, I mean, even right now, I still don't even understand the magnitude of, you know, kind of what's going on and, uh, you know, how it could affect me personally and, and especially affect, you know, people who are, you know, dealing with our justice system. Um, but so I don't know, man. It's just fucked up. It's like we in a democracy, but it, it just don't be seeming like that, bro. Well, see, the, the the reason why it doesn't seem like it's a democracy is 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 twofold, right? One is because you are an oppressed person. True. You're an oppressed person, and this is what I want people to really understand. Like, if you don't get shit else from this podcast today, this is what I want you to understand. You are not in a position to allow any of your freedoms to go to waste. Because you are already oppressed. If you take away some of your own freedoms, they don't have to do anything. And what a lot of us have done is we've taken away our most important freedom, which our people specifically have fought the hardest to damn get. <laughs> That's the freedom that? to vote. I've been seeing these people, right, who who have these followings and these platforms and they consistently talk about, you know, your vote doesn't count. It doesn't matter. I, we've been getting killed in the streets for, for years and, and y'all been telling us to vote. Ain't nothing changed. Well, genius, part of the reason why ain't shit changed is because the niggas didn't vote when we told them to when we was getting <laughs> killed in the streets the first time. And, you know, I've, I've been seeing that, too. Like, niggas been like, we've been voting and they know. I'm like, y'all niggas ain't been voting. Been what? Voting. 
Y'all have not been voting. Literally. Like, do not even sit up like, here and lie and say y'all been voting. The statistics tell it, and people can talk about, you know, oh, that's the, that's the whitewash statistics that they get. No, you know what? It would probably it would probably be more beneficial to them if they didn't tell us the truth about how much how many of us damn be voting and don't be voting because a minority right. of a minority is who votes in this country. So when you are upset that the system isn't changing, when you're mad at the system and you want to go in, like the system, we're not talking about a PlayStation 4. You can't dismantle the system like you would a PlayStation 4. You don't need a Phillips head. You got you have to pass policy. And you know how you pass policy? You vote people into positions to create and enact policy that does what you want them to do. But you niggas don't want to do that because y'all only vote once every four years. If then. Right. And then you get tired of people and, telling you to damn vote. Like, that'd be killing me, though. Like, niggas be... I mean, my thing is, and I think a lot of people don't understand, like, this ain't no overnight shit, right? So you can't just, like, vote once, and then, you know, over the next couple years, shit don't, like, immediately just change from bad to great. And then niggas be like, damn, my vote didn't count. Like, bro, do you know that this gotta be, like, this low-key just gotta be, like, a lifetime commitment for niggas to vote because, you know, we talking about changing the future, and it's gonna take more than just maybe getting one person in office, right? It's like, we gotta we gotta fill, you know, our, our offices with, you know, people who are aligned with some of the goals that we're trying to do. And that takes time. It takes time, and it takes, like, a continued effort. You know what I mean? So it's like, even if we vote one year or two years or three years or four years, I mean, nigga, it's going to take a decade of voting. It's gonna, It may even longer than that. I mean, we're trying to change, you know, the foundation of our country. You know what I mean? But, you know, the idea of voting and, you know, I'm definitely I'm I've definitely come around to this just to know that, like, look, like, you know, they're going to try to say that it don't matter. But the suppression lets you know that lets you know that shit matter. You know, because if it didn't matter, niggas wouldn't care about you voting or not. But clearly they do. Clearly they do. You know, niggas is, I mean, we already know what Trump doing. I mean, this nigga interfering with elections and, you know, getting foreign entities involved. Like, this shit is important. You know what I'm saying? But they going to downplay it. And, you know, and I hate to see, especially people in our community, especially during a time like this, especially when we've seen the effects of not voting. And, you know, it's been it, it's been the most apparent in recent history. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's like after 2016, bro, I mean, I can't not vote again. And I voted in 2016. But, you know, I just know that I can't not the vote shit is again. Too important like I have to. Because what it does right. is it's just, it, it's too it much. puts things in motion that you don't understand. And that's the that's the part that, that pisses me off both about the timing of this RBG thing and why people aren't making as much noise about it. Right. So before we transitioned into this conversation, we, you had asked me, you know, is it just Roe v. Wade or is there, are there things that are going to directly, you know, impact you that will come? Roe v. Wade is, is one of, if not the hardest things that you could roll back because it was so ahead of its time. Right. It was passed mm-hmm. during a time where abortion was still frowned upon by most of the country. But what it did was it protected the rights, the basic rights of a woman, especially to make the decision of whether or not she wanted to keep a life or not. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is, right? Now, historically, that has been one of the most controversial political questions that that the both sides had to face, right? Because these mm-hmm. are these aren't just conversations about whether or not you want to have a kid or not. These now, when you get on this stage, it's about you know religion versus non-religion or Christian versus non-Christian. And then that transitions into, okay, we say we're America, we one nation under God. So now you, you, you trying to figure out, okay, is there a separation of church and state or is there not? And what this tells us is there is no separation between church and state. The woman that you were talking about it, this referenced in the, in the, in the daily interview, right? She is Mm -hmm. one of the major players in the super conservative religious arena. And she sat up there and outlined the partnership that she made with Donald Trump. That's most of his base. Right. So this is right up his alley. So now when you think of this, right, this is this is hard to defend. The reason why it's not been repealed before is one, the, the Supreme Court wasn't in a position to where they could over, overturn it. But now that they are, They've done everything that they can strategically for the last 30 years to set up all of the moves that they've made in the last two. And by they, I'm talking about conservatives. So when you start slowly taking laws off of the state role, when you refuse to remove certain laws from the state role, when you have something Mm -hmm. like Roe v. Ray get repealed back, and that that's empowering to states laws. Now you think about you in the South, right? It's a bunch of Jim Crow laws still on the books in a lot of states in the South. So when right. you start talking about these things, now you can start asking questions about, okay, what else will they repeal? Right. They told you they don't have any issue with taking away your ability to have health care. And they're explicitly telling minorities and people of color, we don't give a damn about what the law says about you being able to vote. We are going to legally keep you from voting. We are going to legally (laughs) rewrite the lines. We are going to do all of this stuff. Now, what happens if they decide they want to repeal some of these things that we think, oh, they would never do that? We were told Roe v. Wade would never be repealed. So it's like when you get in a situation where what you have now is the federal level saying it's the state's issue. You have what we have going on with these mask mandates, right? Like th- it's mm-hmm. something as simple as looking at what's going on right now that impacts us, right? As of five o'clock yesterday, we don't have to wear masks. Where is that in your city mm-hmm. or like in our state? Well, is they hadn't passed it on the state <laughs> level, but it's in it's in the city, right? Lord have mercy. So, you have businesses who are saying it's a requirement. Now, mm-hmm. if you are a citizen, what do you do? I mean, can I mean so? And, and I guess I don't know the laws here because, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people where the business be like, look, you got to wear a mask mm-hmm. and niggas be like the law. Mm-hmm. This ain't the law. And I'm just like, 
I mean, I would first of all, I would think a private business can do whatever the hell they want to do. They can make you require anything. Yeah. But I, but I mean, but I mean, what's the difference between a private and a public business? I mean, that I you know I wouldn't know unless we're just talking about like public government property or you know if I'm going into fucking. Well, I McDonald's, mean, you got to think you know these are like, sweeping mandates, right? So when you when you mm-hmm. acknowledge or when you put out a mandate, then it it is a requirement. It's the closest thing to law. So when you lift right. it, right, and there are people still enforcing it, now it becomes the discretion of the local government to figure out how it is they are going to handle it. I would just think if a business says you got to wear a mask, I mean, regardless if it's the law or not, like if you say it's it's, it's within my rights as an American to not have to wear a mask as the mandate has been lifted and they want to take their mask off and you tell them that they can't. Now, Tennessee is a right to work state, but there are cases and you can bet your ass that in a state like Tennessee, if somebody says, hey, you either wear that mask or you fired, they say, fire me. You get fired and they're going to sue you for wrongful, unlawful uh, right. termination. Yeah, termination. And now you yeah. know what that case likely goes to? Your state Supreme Court. <laughs> and you know what that's going to do? Set a precedent. And then according to mm-hmm. what Supreme Courts are supposed to do once the precedence is set, that's what the bar is. Now you now mm-hmm. you have Supreme a Supreme Court that will have a conservative majority who can retroactively go back and change those things. So once Roe v. Mm-hmm. Wade gets rolled back, Roe v. Wade is no longer a precedence. And the precedent swings the mm-hmm. other way. I mean, that's just... It's it's fucked up. That's wild, But that's why people have to vote. The impact of your vote makes a difference in these things. Because these are are judges that are being appointed, right? Of course, the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court, somebody has to pass. And you never want, you know, people to die. But somebody has to pass in order for this job to be open. But it has... it's, It's more important, in my opinion, if they can confirm somebody, who they confirm is going to be more important then who wins the election? Mm. Because whoever they who it's it's been a lot of people thought that with Trump's last appointment, right? Kavanaugh, right? They thought when Kavanaugh mm. was appointed, then it was the end of times, right? Because they didn't have a majority. <laughs> but what right. happened was you had some some conservative judges who went against the party. And it is rumored that that has not made the conservative party. I'm not going to say the Republican party because I think they're, they are not one in the same, but one is within the other. Conservatives have not liked that very much. So now if you give Mm. them a full majority, right, you got two whole more justices. Now you don't have tie breaks. Whatever conservative agenda they want sent to the Supreme Court, guess what they gonna do? They gonna get it sent there. You know what's gonna happen? They gonna win. It's like mm. if if people think that Republicans and and Democrats are so evil right now, imagine when one of those one of those parties does not have any checks or balances. And this is forever, Alex. Like this is forever. Yeah, this is scary. And the, and the <laughs> average age of the people who he would put on his short list 
it's like 43. <laughs> 43. And that ain't good. You can be 43 years old and you have a lifetime job as a Supreme Court justice. Like, it's this, this shit is important. And people don't understand that the, the, how we got here is because niggas didn't vote. That's how we got here. Hmm. But what's going to convince niggas to vote? Because I don't know. You try to tell niggas that they ain't going to care I mean, about anything gonna, you talking uh, about. Niggas going to do whatever they want to do. It's, it's my responsibility <laughs> to to provide the information because it, it's, it's like yeah. we've talked about so many times on this show. The importance of voting trickles down more to you as a citizen than it does to anybody else because you are directly impacted. Whether the person who you want won or the person you don't want wins, you directly impact it. But if you don't have a say so, you just good with whatever happens. So now, when shit like coronavirus happens and you locked in your house for hell, we don't even know how long at this point because poor leadership right. was voted in. Or when, you know, God willing, they do open the shit back up, we may have, you know, a new version of Jim Crow or they repeal back the rights of the LGBTQ. Plus, like, it's so many things that are at stake that people don't, they don't cognitively understand. Like, I just saw some shit today where it was talking about, you know, there are car companies who are saying, you know, by 2035, 2037, 2040, we're going to be 100% electric, right? That puts a whole lot of pressure on, on, on systems and markets. And you don't understand what? You don't know what any of those impacts can mean. We still at odds with China. <laughs> like, it's so many things that are China. that are hinging on what the American people decide they want to do. And that we ain't even touched, you know, Black Lives Mattering. We ain't even touched any of the shit that directly impacts us. We just talking about general shit. That we know will impact us on top of the shit we already right. dealing with. So I mean, what I'm hearing from you is we're fucked. What I'm hearing, what you should be hearing from me is <laughs> we are fucked if you don't get out and do your part, and you don't encourage people to get out and do their part. Because see, what happens mm-hmm. with a Joe Biden win, regardless of what you or anybody else may think about him, right? A Joe Biden win is a signal to politics going back to politicians. Mm. When politics goes back to politicians, now we know what game that is. See, part of the issue with Trump mm-hmm. is we didn't know what the fuck we was dealing with. <laughs> right, we don't know what <laughs> like, this nigga finished. You don't know. But see, it's like they say, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Because the devil you know, at the That's very true. least... You understand the tricks and trades. You know, like we know where we can hold a Joe Biden accountable. We know where we can, we know these things. Mm-hmm. We don't know shit about Donald Trump. It, what we know is before he became the president, shit was in a pretty okay space. Mm-hmm. And now it looks like, you know, at any point, Jesus could come back. Like literally, like literally, it is red. The whole West Coast is red right now. Damn near on fire or under smoke inhalation. 
You got tornadoes hitting the Midwest. You got continuous hurricanes hitting the Gulf and the East Coasts. Florida is Florida. Pandemic. On top of a pandemic <laughs> where everybody's stuck in their house. And you got people who have not had a payment hit their account since Trump gave them $1,200. Back in when was that? April? That shit seems so long like, ago. I don't even remember. <laughs> like you have, there are people, right? There are people who have not had anything in their account since then. Like I read an article the other day about a man who who had who was trying to apply for uh, uh what's it called unemployment unemployment and he got denied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got denied. Doesn't have a job anymore. Is actively looking. And doesn't have like can't get unemployment. Like I'm like we don't we don't necessarily always think about those things, but it's like, damn, bro, like this is where we are. All because of how votes went out, how voting happened. And you know, people are gonna say, you know, all the Electoral college, our votes don't matter, our votes don't this, our votes don't that. I would encourage you all to read and read thoroughly up on the electoral college and why it doesn't work anymore, but why if enough people vote, it still does the job. I'm with you. I mean, I'm gonna be at the poll, man. You know, my voter registration updated. My wife just got her shit updated. So, what is it, November 2nd? I think it's the 3rd. We out here. Oh, the 3rd? You know, I'm going to know. Whatever Tuesday it is. We out here. Yeah. Is it on Tuesday? Yeah, it got to be. <laughs> Whatever day, man, I'm out I'm out there. I might even do early voting if they do Super that. Super 2. Early voting should be going on right now. Oh, shit. I need to check on that. Yeah, check on that. But I... No, I might just go ahead and vote on the 3rd so I can leave work. <laughs> Look at this nigga. Go on, stand in line. On, and let me go and tell y'all, right? Let me go and prepare y'all because I'm telling y'all to vote, right? It may not be an easy process. It may not be the simplest process. It may be time consuming. I'm just going to be honest with you. With how COVID-19 mm-hmm. is working, with how, like you said, Alex, they are trying to suppress our vote. It may take mm-hmm. a whole lot of patience. But you do whatever it is you got to do to go out there and vote. Because this shit is important. This election and whether or not they do this appointment will directly impact the next 50 years of this country. And you got to be able to ask yourself, you know, if God willing, if you're still alive in 50 years, are you okay with the role you played in getting to the point you at now? So, rock the vote. Vote or die, motherfucker. Vote or die. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what else has happened this week? Um, did you see your boy Prime? Pete Rhyme, Deion Sanders. Now, what, what do you think are the motivations behind Deion Sanders taking this job? I mean, you know, I think I think it's cool, right? I mean, obviously, it's been a lot of talk about HBCUs. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of talk about it, and 
been a lot of talk about, you know, what if our top athletes went? What if our top athletes went? We would change the game. We would get the funding we need. Boosters will support if the if the sports teams are, you know, getting attention and, you know, it's, it's falling in line with that. So I think it's cool. You know, I think it's cool. Um, you know, my thing is, you know, if I'm a player, I don't know if Dion being my coach is what's going to take me to JSU. I mean, it, I guess it opens it up for a little bit more consideration, but in ju- it's just uh, like, and I hate to just be kind of a negative Nancy here. I mean, because I feel like I'm just being a pessimist, but, you know, it's like, especially given the the introduction that we saw, you know, it was very, um, you know, it was very, I mean, for lack of a better term, like, I mean, to me, it's just filled with ego. It's filled with ego. And my thing is, if I'm a player and I got an ego, I'm a player with an ego, like how can my coach try to talk to me about my ego when my coach is fucking Deion Sanders? You know, and maybe he'll lean into that. I mean, you know, and if they get the recruits and that's great. I mean, you know, JSU, I mean, both my parents went to JSU. So, you know, of course, I reached out to them and, you know, asked them how they felt. And I mean, you know, they liked it because uh, they just think, you know, it's just bringing some good attention to the school and to the football program. But regardless, like it's going to be eyes on that team. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. Like it's going to be eyes on it because niggas are going to want to know how Dion's team is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't let them niggas start winning. I mean, they'll be on sports. Yeah, team. and that that so. changes. To me, I think this is necessary in moving uh, HBCU sports into the stratosphere of mid-majors. Mm-hmm. And I say that because yeah. it is, I mean, like you, not to sound pessimistic, but there's no way that the HBCU league gets on the level of the power five conferences in any sports without going the normal trajectory. And it may be even more, it it may be even harder for them because usually we, we see teams do it in sports. We don't see entire conferences become, you know, relevant on the big, on the big stages. And so, you know, I definitely think this is a step in the right direction. I think the next step for Dion is going to be pulling a top, you know, a top 20 recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take, you know, a basketball coach doing something similar. Mm. And, I, and I, it doesn't necessarily, I, I think it, in my opinion, I think it has to be a big name because it, ha- I mean, got to. it has to be somebody who can garner the talent and that talent has to know that I can go to this school and still make it to the next level. And that's the hard part because you got, you got to think these are kids now who, I mean, for lack of better words, like I remember when I was being recruited for track. You was just trying to go to a good school. <laughs> who right. you was going to get the most out of and who you were going to get the most respect out of wearing on the front of your sh- of your chest. That's what you was doing, right? Now, right. The, we are talking about children who have followings. Children who have or could already, you know, monetize their likeness. Who already have these right. things built in, right? So... 
Like niggas gonna follow them to the yeah. school they choose. You so know what I mean? It's like one of those things where now if you are if you are in this position, right? I applaud any young athlete who is saying this because what it's doing is it's giving HBCUs a platform. Especially mm-hmm. in the midst of everything that's going on. And these these a lot of these players, what they gotta do is they have to be able to look whoever it is that they going to play for in the eye and say, can you get me to where I'm trying to get to? And I think already, I mean, it doesn't have to be a big name. I think when I've looked at sports and my experience in sports and watching sports, you know, with, with different coaches and different people who have been in my life, HBCU athletes are always some of the best i'm talking the best hard nose hard working come in they do things right uh, like they are that's why it's when you look in the nfl i remember being younger and being like i don't know that I'm, why that school don't ever play because <laughs> he good right. right like when you look at the nfl the nfl has a lot of hbcu graduates or HBC people who attended HBCUs and became professionals like so we know the talent is there we know the coaching is there now we have to get new talent there and I think if you have so like Deion Sanders has shed light on football so it's probably Mm going to be more you know athletes looking at HBCU programs just to, to either play against Deion's team Cause they know, like you said, mm-hmm. they gonna have they gonna have all the juice, or I want I want to make a name for myself because I know people gonna be watching this league, right? And I think you you find somebody I mean, who can do that in in, in basketball, and I, I think you you got some. And I mean, I think it's very realistic. You know, I mean. I mean, I think Dion is setting a great precedent, right? It's like, you know, he's coming in. He's saying, look, you know, I, I mean, we talking about somebody who is a top talent in the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like undertaking the coaching of this team. We've talked about the eyes that are going to come, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, you were noting just about how a lot of NFL players, you know, come from these type of schools. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, like you said, the talents there, it's just, you know, when we talk about niggas going first round, second round, third round. You know, that's when you don't see as many people like from an HBCU, right? And, you know, for a lot of players, that's the money. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want my money off rip, you know? So the the later you drop in the draft or, you know, for obviously a lot of people go undrafted and then picked up, you know, they don't have that start in terms of getting paid. So, I mean, that, I mean, especially for our top athletes, I mean, that's what they have to consider. But, I mean, you know, I'm to the point now, and I think a lot of people are on this. It's like, and I think you may have alluded to this before, but it's like if you're a top talent, like, I don't know, like your talent will not be hidden. You know what I mean? Like if you a four or five-star recruit and then you say, I'm going to JSU, it ain't like niggas finna be like, oh, he went to JSU, I'm finna stop paying attention to him. Like they're going to be like, okay, I mean, he went to JSU. That's kind of surprising. But, nigga, if you ball in there, then you going to – you going to ball. And, and, you know, I mean, I know we talk about the coaching, right. And even you touched on this, like the coaching is there in, you know, our HBCUs, but I guess it go back to, you know, it's like, 
do we say it ain't there because they don't get the attention? Like, like, why would we think that the coaching or why is there a consensus that, you know, players won't get top notch coaching if they go to a HBCU? I mean, what do niggas even know about coaching at an HBCU to even come to that conclusion? Like, I wonder why is that like, why does that stigma exist, you know, in, in terms of why a, a player wouldn't go to a HBCU? What's your thoughts on that? Like, what is what is the stigma around coaching? Like, why do people feel like the coaching would be worse at an HBCU as opposed to in Oklahoma or another big program? Because they are names that people don't know. But see, the thing of it is, right? But what's her name? I mean, nigga, you know what a name is. I mean. Yeah, but these coaches be rotating. Like, it's only like five or six that is like, okay, like these niggas like known for being great coaches. When you see, when you see those five made, those five or six major coaches, right? Usually the people moving in and out of all of these other vacancies are people who came up under them. (laughs) That's true. So when you have somebody like, let's say a Nick Saban, right? Nick Saban is an amazing football mind. That's just the reality of it. Regardless of how you feel about Alabama, he's a, he's an amazing football mind. He knows the game. If you look in the HBCU league, you probably have I don't even know how many people are how many teams are in in that conference. But let's say they're let let's say more than 50% of the coaches in that league have just as good, if not better football minds than a Nick Saban. But people don't know their names. So I'm with you when you don't, it's, it's about, it's about, it's like we were talking about earlier, right? These, these kids now they stars before they get out of middle school. Some of them. So if you got a built-in following, you go into your senior year, you picking who where you gonna go. The name that's associated with it for them is not as important as it as it once was. But historically, mm-hmm. that's been the argument. That's been the thing. You gotta have coaches with connections who gonna get certain scouts there, who gonna do this, who gonna do that. I mean, I'm not well versed enough in the HBCU you know, circuit to understand, you know, what that means for them. But what I do know is that when I was growing up and I was, and my father would, you know, turn it on those games and tell me I couldn't change the channel to watch some of them other games. I learned a lot about not only the history of some of the coaches at that time specifically, but the history that they had in the game of football, number one. And then number two, you know, like I know, if you black and you played any type of organized sport and you had a black coach, that black coach was more than just your coach. Usually that black coach yeah. cared about you in a way that you felt like this person really cares about me. This person really wants me to succeed. Oftentimes you have these athletes who, if their father isn't in their lives, they always go back to their high school or their college coaches as their father figures, the people who they take care of, the people who they will always have with them, not because they was their coach, but because they imparted certain things on them. And that's why I asked you, like, that's why I started off with asking you, like, what do you think Dion's 
objective is in taking this because he got to be that. Like he has to be that person who cares about every man that he recruits to that school. Did their parents feel comfortable leaving and they care that he's going to make boys into men? I feel like he's going to have to prove that, man. He's going to, because I don't think that's just a general consensus at this and point. And that's what I'm saying. Like he, I guess not for me. Well, I'm, I'm saying that's what, that's what he's going to have to do because he's not just taking over a program. Right. And I think right. that's the added piece of it, right? Like when you, some of some of these HBCU schools, they they don't even have the funding to do what they need to do. So a lot of it is these coaches doing what they have to do to be able to put a good product on their field and keep some of these boys in school, whether it be from financial situations or troubles in the streets or whatever. Like whatever it is, these HBCU coaches got an added layer of it because they care. Which so I I think you know. This is good for Deion Sanders. This is good for the movement of HBCUs. And I think it's going to be able to shed a lot of light on the historically great coaches that don't get the they don't get the attention. Their names aren't mentioned. Some of these coaches, you know, deserve to be in, in the Hall of Fame, in the football hall of fame. But Dion gonna shed a little light on. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it. I just, like I said, I hope he's going into this with the understanding that, you know, he's gonna become a father to a father figure to a lot of different men, and being able to maintain that and still, like you said, be able to have conversation with them about like, hey, you not me. (laughs) You can't afford to be cocky. You can't afford to do this right now because you ain't put the work in. Like being able to have those conversations, you got to be able to do that. It can't just be X's and O's. Hmm. So, I'm with you. Shout out to them, though. Shout out to JSU. Shout out to Dion. Shout out to JSU, man. Prime time. Prime time. Uh, what, what can, so update me on Michael Jordan and NASCAR. Say update you on it? Yeah, because I'm not really sure. Like, I understand. Every, are they creating a new team, or is this going to be? Yeah, so it's like a new. I mean, I, I guess I don't know the official name, but you know, it's like a NASCAR. They have obviously different teams. You know, that's just what we're going to call it for now. Uh, you know, and 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 teams have yeah. specific drivers. So I know that uh, Jordan, along with uh, another person, they're creating a new team uh, and they've chosen Bubba Wallace to be their first driver, which I think is interesting. Mm. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I guess there's money. I mean, if Jordan getting in it, I'm assuming there's money in it. Um, and I mean, I think it's a great look. I mean, I remember when Bubba said like, yo, this is my last time dropping for this team. Like I remember that. So it's good to know that he's going to be employed pretty quickly afterwards. And uh, for him to be driving for Michael Jordan, it's even cooler. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a little Jordan car out there and, you know, maybe a little carbon fiber, maybe a little yeah, pad leather shit. out there on the on the car. You know, I don't know what Jordan's going to do. You know Some what I'm saying? <laughs> throw a little elephant print on you there. Know, shit going to be hard. Because Jordan will throw some on, elephant on some print shit, on some shit. On some shit. No you know how many little Jordan <laughs> golf shoes then drop? Plenty of elephant print. I'm like, nigga, I can't even wear this shit. It's too much. <laughs> 
but yeah, shout out to them, man. That, that's big. I like it. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure NASCAR is excited about it because I think that's this is a really good way for one for them to yep. diversify their fan base. Two, you got to think NASCAR understands that it it took a calculated risk outlawing which the is crazy, flag. but that is true. Like they took like, that's you, risky. So it's like for them. <laughs> For them to be in this position now where MJ is like, okay, we're going to do, I'm I'm going to do a team, likely the first black mm-hmm. owner of a team. And my first driver is going to be, you know, a black NASCAR driver. I think he mixed, but I get it. I'm not doing this with you this week. Hey, I mean, he may be uh, black. He's just not black like me. A man, person of color. A person of color. I don't like that either. I don't like that either. Alex, I, either you white or you got color on you. Like what so, what like a person know. of color is. I mean, like, don't don't do lump mean, don't bro? lump me with Asian people. That's all I'm saying. We're not the same. Like, don't lump me with them. We live a different Alex, life. We have a different I'm not struggle. Saying that you, I'm not saying y'all are the same. We ain't even similar, honestly. We're not even similar. They are people. We are color. not white. We are not white. I mean, that's yes, the, if you are not white, you are a person of man, color. Don't love me with them, man. Don't, I don't like that. Don't Alex, like what that. do you have against Asian people? It ain't. I ain't got nothing against them. I'm just saying they don't. Like, you, know, you do know that Asian people were put in concentration camps here in the United States. It was. It was fucked up. It was fucked up. Like, so I'm with you. You can't just make it seem like they was just out here living. Like, uh. I mean, uh, I'm just saying they not. Money. Our experience <laughs> are different. I mean, yeah, we all our were oppressed by white people. Than any, we, bro, that's our true. experience is different from anybody who is black, who is not black. I mean, all I'm saying is a mixed person experience different from mine, but y'all won't let me get that off. So, I mean, we can't because <laughs> if they are a mixed person who is darker skinned and you wouldn't know that they were mixed unless you saw a picture of their parents, mm. then they they probably going to have the same experience as you, except they may be a little bit more confused about it. Mm. Mm. You know, wasn't happy because it's because it's Afro ain't nap enough with uh, because <laughs> it's fro ain't nap enough. Niggas fro ain't nap enough to be in the same conversation with me. You know what I'm saying? My shit nappy. Fuck you mean. Alex. Come on, man. I can't be talking with some niggas who got this little, you know, this flowing ass hair talking about they black. Come on, Alex. bro. <laughs> Alex, that's colorist. Colorist, I'm, I'm. It's Harris, nigga. It's the hair. I, I can't get with y'all niggas' hair. I don't like but y'all you, hair. It ain't. It ain't coarse so, like so mine. If so, so if somebody don't, if somebody has naturally curly or wavy hair as a black person, they ain't black. That, do you? They ain't black, dog. It's a, it's something out. going on in that lineage. It's something going on I'm in that lineage. I need that. Ass. I need that pure African hair. I need your shit. You know where the brush don't even help. What does that mean? You know Alex? what I'm saying. What does that mean? You know what I, I mean, I, nigga. I, natural. I, I guarantee. I natural. Guarantee you, there are some people from Africa who have the exact. Show me. Show hit. me. Okay. Where they at though? Okay. What do y'all say? Okay. Where they at though? No, nah, but shut up. You're you're talking about an entire <laughs> continent. Right, man. You know I'm getting my ignorant takeoff. You know I treat it like it's a small country or some shit. <laughs> we are talking about a continent where there, where yeah, housed sure. there, we have black people who are African, who have very fair skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes. All I'm saying is, if I seen Bubba Wallace on the street, I wouldn't just know that he black. I'm gonna just say that. Hey, that's what you say to you. That's that's what I'm gonna say. You know, I'm gonna just clarify that and just say he don't look I black like me. You, I guarantee you, on the press release, 
Jordan brand listed him as an African-American race car driver. Mm, I don't even like African-American no more, but I'm, I'm going to let y'all get it off. All right, nigga. Because I'm black. Here we go. What What's going on with your boy? Who my boy? Speaking of even more problematic people. Who my boy? Kanye Tudor. Kanye Tudor. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what you the mean? My, my boy, done. my boy, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, the kid, the backpack kid with the pink polo. I mean, you know, he, he, uh, he changing the game, man. Changing the game, getting us back on path, getting us back on track. You know mm. what I'm saying? That's what my boy doing. Kanye told these niggas they need to apologize to him. Apologize to me so I can help y'all. <laughs> they do. Cause they've been mean to him. You know what I'm saying? Drake on his ass, you know, J Cole calling him a false prophet and shit. I mean, you know, niggas need to apologize. What did Kendrick say about Kanye? Man, you Why know what Kendrick, Kendrick said. Apologized. Don't act like you don't know. Tell no, I don't, me, I don't know. I don't know what he said. He might've said something <laughs> nigga, private, man. I don't know. <laughs> this nigga just called a stray. <laughs> Look, man, he ain't, he ain't showing Kanye no love, I'll tell you that. He got he gotta apologize off GP. Look, cause he look, cause he look. fuck with Cole, man. You know, he look, in he look. in the same camp. Nigga said you was the best rapper alive. You have to apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> look, sir. You know what I'm saying? He ain't took one Kanye beat. You know, Kanye feeling the way I ain't never heard Kendrick on a Kanye beat. What's up with that? No, they did do uh they did a song together. I forgot. They did do no parties in LA. But yeah, I don't know what that was about though. I don't know why he Washed asked him to ass. apologize. <laughs> nah, Ye was spitting on that hoe. He wasn't spitting like Kendrick. I don't know, bro. Ye was spitting. So Kanye's tweets. Kanye's tweets. Yeah. You know, I I know today he announced that he's giving uh, the masters back the his his share of good music artist masters. He is giving them back to artists, which Big Sean seems to be very appreciative of. So that's cool, right? How we gonna know it's done? I mean, you know, maybe Sean will confirm with us when once it's finished, you know, and he'll let us know. He'll let us know. Because I just think it's crazy how like the only motivation you have to give somebody else they shit is because you don't have your shit, and people have been calling you out about the fact that you own other people's shit, but you mad at somebody who owns your shit. I just think that that's you know. I mean, did you see the text conversation that Kanye tweeted where it seemed like Elon Musk Which is one? the one that convinced him? This is the most recent one where he he's yeah. he's texting Elon and Elon is like, hey, man, hey, maybe you should change those contracts. And Kanye like, you know what? I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> and then I'm going to tweet out <laughs> that I did it. It's a peculiar dude, man. This is a peculiar dude. I mean, is that not odd to you, though? Like this nigga has been on this. He's been tweeting about this for a while now, only to come to the realization, like, bro, I'm doing this to people. And so now it's like, are we supposed to give him kudos because he he woke up and was like, oh, I'm not gonna do this to people no more because Elon Musk told me that I'm not supposed to. So here's y'all shit back. Well, I mean, I think what Kanye has been trying to advise is that, you know, we've all kind of been brainwashed to a sense that this is how the music industry is supposed to go. Like even him, you know, and I think he's always been honest about that. You know, even going back to like new slaves, it's like, you know, it's like we're all slaves, like even him, you know, to this, you know, hierarchy that's been set in place, whether it be fashion, whether it be music or just power in general. And it's time for a change. You know, it's like. 
niggas been fucking him over. And now maybe he coming to the re- realization that, you know, he been fucking niggas over. I also think it's just interesting, you know, even when we talk about a lot of black people and right now, you know, the thing is ownership, right? It's ownership, it's ownership we want to own. But it's like niggas at the same time, like if niggas want to expand what they're doing, I mean, typically you got to put other people on. And then, you know, is it going to come to a fact where, you know, it's going to be our black creators owning other black creators to a sense? You know what I mean? Like, cause niggas got to make money in the end. So, I mean, that's, that's the whole, you know, black effect podcast network versus what we now know is the Joe button. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so I'm like, okay. I mean, if you bringing people on as like partners or, you know, you're finding some fair way to do it, then that's fine. But as long as it's being done in that format, I'm cool with it, but I don't want to just recreate what white people have done, but just, you know, niggas supposed to feel better because it's a black person over them instead of like a white person. Like, that's what I don't want. But see, that's what so many of us have gotten into. And I think that's why I know for me, like, like I told y'all in the group, like if Kanye follows through on their shit, then I will pay attention to what it is he had to say. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he tweeted out their first bullshit, like I told y'all straight up, I was like, I know for a fact Kanye has other people's masters. And he has other people in fucked up deals right mm-hmm. now. So until you get your shit straight, I don't want to hear you complaining about what somebody else doing to you because you've done the same thing to somebody else. And granted, hurt people hurt people. But we talking about business. So you airing everybody else out like he he's posting like literally hierarchy pictures, mm-hmm. like org chart pictures of people who we have never seen before in life. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know who these people were. Like, people in the industry, people in these buildings, like, I'm seeing tweets from people that are like, I've worked here for 15 years, and I never, I've never seen this before. I've never even seen this person, let alone the organizational charts. Hmm. So, for him to release shit like that, like, I get what he's trying to do. But for me, Kanye has proven time and time and time and time and time again that Kanye is about Kanye. So when you come out and you tell us you're doing all of this shit for all of us, niggas is going to look at you like, okay, I'm going to see it. Because <laughs> I'm not listening to this shit no more. Let me see it. I believe it when I see it. So it's just like I said, like if he, if he gives everybody what he owns of their masters back to them, mm-hmm. then I can pay attention to what Kanye got to say about this matter. But there's certain things that I'm just... Not gonna fuck with. I mean, I and it's just I feel you. I mean, it's like we gotta see it. I mean, I'm 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 totally with you there. It's like all oh, this talk is cool, but you know, until we have some tangible evidence that we can see that he's serious about it, then I mean, that's all it's gonna be for now. Is talk. That's all it's gonna be. Uh, but you know, I, I I like the talk. I mean, that's that's all I can say. I like the talk. I like the things he's saying. I like the things that he wants to do. Uh, and you know, I I want to see it being put in action. You know, so. I'm hoping to see it put in action. He, he's talking about, and I completely agree with you. It's like, he can't talk about nobody else until he get his good music shit in order. And I understand that this is a partnership that they got with, you know, obviously a larger conglomerate, but it's like, you know, the, the side, the business, that's your business, nigga, get that shit right. So he said he going to get the 50% back. So, I mean, I know that's going to be huge. I mean, that's going to be huge for his artists, especially in our streaming era where, you know, the the masters is just so important because that shit is just constantly making money especially for artists like big shine or you know 
I don't even, I don't really even know who popping over there in good music, honestly, other than Sean. Tiana. Tiana, I mean, Tiana uh, is... I mean, I know she's popular, but I don't know. I mean, well, I, I, I Tiana, don't know. I don't know. you got to think, Tiana has what, uh, I mean, not us, for instance, but she had the song of 2020 with, it was everybody's graduation song. Like, it was literally the national graduation song. <laughs> and what song was that? You made it. You made it. I don't even know what song you referring to. I think that's the name of it. <laughs> I would sing it, but I'm not, you know. Hell no. I mean, you only know, only I'm, Tiana I'm song that I know was popular was uh, Rose in Harlem, but I don't, I don't know another big one. I don't know a big one. But I'm ignorant, though. So if our listeners out there like, these nigga don't know Tiana Taylor song. I'm like, bro, I don't. I don't. And I listened to her album too. But uh yeah, don't which know. one? The the one that was dropped, uh the uh Keep That Same Energy. That's the album I listened to. Oh, uh, okay. Still got it on my phone. Look at you. I'm proud of you. I mean, it's just on my phone. I just haven't deleted it. <laughs> I don't delete shit out my phone. Once I add it, it's there forever. So shout out, yeah, man. Shout out, yeah, man. Doing good work, good work for the music industry, and um, you know, you know, Jay favorite, Jay favorite far. line, dog, will, in due time, man, in due time. We will continue to monitor this situation. <laughs> pending. Yeah, yeah, pending. I guess she would say. Um, I really, I thought that I wanted to talk about this uh, Vanessa Bryant situation, but I, I really don't. I just want to. Send you know, love and light to right. she and her daughters, and I pray you know everything that's going on with her mother and what you know ever motivations her mother has. I pray that uh, she gets the help that she needs so that that family can move forward. You know, with love. I'm with you. I mean, you know, that's just messy, man. I don't, you know, I I know what she's going through in terms of suing the police department. I think that's a great thing. Um, you know, for them, you know, releasing the photos of the the crash site and shit like that. So I'm glad to hear that she's seeking justice on that end. I still have not seen those photos, nor do I have any interest in seeing them. But, um, you know, if they were spread without her permission and things like that, then, you know, that hey, that, that should be a that's a dirty game. You know, these niggas working with TMZ. I mean, you know, it's paramedics, it's people in hospitals. They all just working with niggas mm-hmm. from TMZ. And that shit is messy. It's messy, but I mean, think about it. If you are in public service and they're not paying you shit, hey, and, and you in an area like L.A. especially, and TMZ is willing to give you, you know, let's say $5,000 for a picture of something, you're going to take the damn picture. I need to Depending that. on the situation. Depending on the situation that you are in. I'm just saying I, 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 I wouldn't do it, but I can see why somebody... Why why it works for them? Let's let's just leave it there. Yeah, I, I can see why it works. For them. I just the fear of it coming back on me though, and just like ruining potentially my life. I just don't know if it's worth it. Like, it's five thousand dollars worth that. I mean, I just threw a number against the wall, but you yeah. got to think. We talking about celebrities, right? I mean, even so, if it's more. I mean, even if it's like ten k or twenty k, you know, I don't know. I could lose my job over this shit and potentially not be able to work again for twenty k. Come on, man. 
I you I get what you're saying, and I agree <laughs> with you wholeheartedly. But to to be to put your shoes on and play devil's advocate, if you are in services, like I said, mm. if you are in you know the let's say the healthcare frontline people, like the very people who we are depending on the most right now in society, don't get paid shit. True. Or they don't they don't even get they don't get paid what they feel they deserve on a wide scale. So if you busting your ass for X amount of hours a day for X amount of pay, and then somebody tell you I give you twenty five thousand dollars if you just snap one quick picture of, you know, Richard Simmons in the hospital bed. That or nigga said like Richard Simmons. <laughs> like <laughs> like that's what that's what you like you think about that right that's twenty five thousand dollars in the moment not i gotta work for six more months to make twenty five thousand dollars and get taxes taken out I, no this company is going to cut me a check for twenty five thousand dollars and mm. like in that know, moment man. depending on your situation that person it it may i mean you got to think about the the area in which you in Right, like I said, I want to be very clear. I'm not justifying anything. I'm simply pointing out facts. Usually, people go to this area to be something else, and they usually just get caught up doing something else. So, right. if you in some shit you ain't even really trying to do, mm. and you're trying to go down be a star, and you in the area where everybody is keeping up with everybody, mm. so you already in LA. You already like, I can see how TMZ be getting their shit off. Because you got to think how much money they making. They can afford to cut a $5,000 check here, $10,000 check there, and whatever. I guess it just depends on, <laughs> like, if I'm the worker, it just depends on my industry. I mean, personally, if I'm in the healthcare industry, I just, you know, I don't know. And, and I say that because, you know, I currently work in an industry similar. I ain't going to let y'all know where I work, but, you know, I work somewhat in the healthcare industry, you know, specifically, like, on the insurance side. and. You know, there's a lot of access to a lot of personal information about people. Uh, and I, I just know the emphasis on privacy and just how it's just so important. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about possible litigation I could face if it's found that I'm uh, giving up like people's private information. And I don't know, man, but I see I definitely see where you coming from. It's like hey, 25 bands. I mean, we up, you know what I mean? But I just, you know. I'm, I guess I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm morally sound, man. And I know it's easy to say because I'm not in that position. I mean, maybe if somebody was offering it to me, it'd be a little bit different. But I can I can tell you right now, 25 bands ain't going to do it. I mean, I need life-changing money for me to mm-hmm. risk my job. And not only my current job, but like my future earnings. Fuck around with TMZ, sending them some shit they ain't got no business getting. I feel you. So. I feel you. So, um, yeah, don't don't take money to take pictures of celebrities. <laughs> that is essentially what that topic was supposed to design to you. <laughs> nah, right. but realistic, like, don't compromise yourself for monetary gain, especially if it's something that you like that has the potential to hurt somebody. Right, especially. Now I can't I I can't be your moral compass, but if you listen to After Five, I'ma just tell you that's some foul shit that you're doing. If you, I mean, niggas foul though, getting shit like that off. But you know, like I said, I don't agree, but I understand where you're coming from. 
I mean, uh, money. I mean, what? I mean, you know what that money make a bitch do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. So, uh, but this is something that I had put in, you know, our 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 Discord, our Trello uh, for the podcast. A couple of weeks ago, and we didn't necessarily hit on it, but I wanted to come back to it because it's become even more revealing to me, you know, as of late. And so one of the things that I came to a realization, you know, one of them standing in the shower and just kind of thinking about shit Damn. is uh, <laughs> a lot of racists rally around Trump because he affords them the opportunity to express their true feelings yeah. under the guise of politics. And, and that's why, you know, for me personally right for me it's fuck him and i say that because he it's a mutually you know it's a mutually beneficial relationship in that it's one of those things where he does he dips in and he dips out right he tries to have plausible deniability against you know his you know the people who don't like him right but then he can still lean into what he does like without any consequence Mm -hmm. like the fact that that this that this young boy crossed state lines with an assault rifle and murdered two people and the president says that he you know you know he was just he was a patriot (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck like shit like that right or when you have these racist groups outright, like very outright, very overtly, like saying, hey, Trump, Trump's America is our America. It's white America. And that's what he means when he says make America great again. And you fist bumping and you saying that, the you know, the guys in Virginia, it was good people on both sides. And there were like he just goes out of his way to not condemn white supremacy whenever it's right there in his face for him to do. And he does it for a reason. And I think, you know, I sent y'all a, the the uh the link. I'll make sure that I that, that we put it in the show notes, but I sent y'all the the link of this story that this guy had uh this thread that this guy had made on Twitter about um a white nationalist thinker. Mm-hmm. And it makes the most sense, bro. And essentially what this white what this white nationalist was saying is our job oh, yeah, isn't I read to that. convert. I read that. Yeah, I read that our job thing. isn't isn't to convert, you know, non-nationalist white people to our movement. It's to let them know that they inherently are a part of it. Right. And all you do is highlight the different similarities, and they don't even realize that they're just like you and that you are them and they are you. Right. And he goes through and he outlines, you know, the different things. But it reminded me of something that, you know, I had I had thought about earlier. And it's like we've been talking so much about vote, vote, vote. Like this podcast was a heavy vote. Right. Mm. But it's like the reason why voting is so much more important to us as minorities, especially black people in this country, is because we vote for our lives every single time we strike that pen. Every time we are voting for our lives. White people vote their interests because mm-hmm. they can afford to. 
It's like, you know, we, we have a mutual friend who can't for the life of him understand why white people still are supporting Donald Trump or still are, are supporting the Republican Party. You had a, a Republican senator who flat out said, you know, in four years, if we have to replace the justice, I, you will see me say the same thing. We need to wait until a president is elected. We need to wait till after election. And he said that you can hold me to this. And you know what this nigga came out and said on yesterday? He is going to vote for them to appoint a new Supreme Court justice before the election. Not gonna mm -hmm. get he's he's gonna get minimal, if any, major blowback. Mm -hmm. You know why? Cause he's it, he it's an ideal. Right. He gets the freedom of changing his mind when the situation fits his narrative. And it's the same way with our white counterparts. Our white counterparts can look past all the overtly racist shit that Donald Trump does because Donald Trump is not going to allow abortion. I mean, cause the race, I mean, the racism don't affect them. You know it doesn't what I mean? affect, it doesn't affect them cause they don't directly, they aren't directly impacted. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> even but, with everything that's going on right now, like with it being directly in their face every single day, there's a certain group of people who have become annoyed with seeing all of this super blackity black, black shit. Right. And you know what it's doing? Slowly pushing them to see where they are allies with that white nationalist thinker we were just talking about. I mean, because they, I mean, they, I just feel like they're being convinced. I mean, and there's a lot of factors playing, you know, my biggest thing is the media. I mean, the media is just, the media is convincing white people and just comprehension skills on their end. But I mean, it's also a little bit on our end, but I'm, I don't want to put no blame on us, but you know, they're, they're taking this as like an all out attack on white people. Like, their perception is that we're calling them racist. We're calling all of them racist. Uh, anytime a black person get killed, like it's where the police, we got to defund the police, which to them that, you know, they hear that is like, we have to get rid of the police. Um, you know, it's like their perception of what we're fighting for uh, is just becoming skewed heavily, heavily by, you know, what they're seeing on TV, obviously what they're getting from Trump and, you know, any, you know, all his supporters and, you know, any Fox news and all this shit, but it's just like, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's like there, there, there are, I mean, you know, I'm really trying to be honest here, but also, you know, speak my mind in a way that I can't be misconstrued. Cause you know, I think I'm like the most misunderstood person ever, but you know, I find that I think that we're in terms of black people and white people, we're a little bit more similar than we think. But we're just on opposite spectrum, so it's harder for us to see. But, you know, and I guess I say that to say there's kind of extremes on both sides. I don't want to be confused with what Terry Crews is saying because this is not the same at all. But it's like, you know, there everybody focuses on the extremes. You know, everybody focuses on the extremes when, you know, the thread that you sent, like that's who we need to be focused on, the niggas in the middle. You know, just like I'll be telling you, like these niggas that be at Trump rallies, I'm not worried about them niggas. Them niggas are if you if you are still getting up and putting on a, a make America great hat and you going to a rally like you're done. There's no convincing you. <laughs> you are publicly supporting like you. You are too deep. You know what I mean? But the majority of people who are voting for Trump are not at these rallies. You know what I'm saying? They're exactly what you described. They're at home. 
uh, under the safety of anonymity. And they're saying, well, you know, I'm getting sick. You know, if I watch another basketball game and see this Black Lives Matter shit again, like I, I cannot do four years of this shit. You know what I mean? Like they would rather take something that's not throwing in their face like evil that most of them feel, look, I have no part in this. I didn't participate in this. Nigga, we don't even know if my ancestors sold slaves. I mean, this is conversations I have with white people. They don't even know if their ancestors had slaves. Why are they having to be subject to being blamed for this shit? And then it's also like affecting their life where, you know, they want to make the excuse of we can't get into the colleges we want. Affirmative action. It's it's hurting us and we, and we're like we're being affected negative, negatively and we ain't even had nothing to do with this shit. You know what I'm saying? And and at this point, it's equal. And the black people really want to come up. They just need to stop killing each other. Chicago, black and black crime. And, you know, this is what we go through daily when we're having conversations. And Trump is like, like you said, supporting Trump is literally anti this diversity shit, which I mean, in all honesty, if you're a white person, the only reason you would be supporting this shit is if you're just a good person, right? And you just want everything to be equal. But if you're just a person who's like, look, I mean, I don't have no problem with the way shit is. This shit is not affecting me. I don't have close black friends. And this thread kind of spoke to this. I don't have close black friends. I don't like I, I, I be with white people. So why would I give a fuck about what's going on with another group? And, that, you know, that's tying back into and I've talked about it before how I mean, we're similar. But, you know, we're just on this other side. So it's, it's just much more fucked up on our end. And like you said, everything we do is for our livelihood and everything these niggas do is like, I don't know, just little inconveniences in their life. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying I'm trying to live and these niggas trying to, uh, you know, just, just stupid thing, shit. Our experience is things that they can't fathom. So right. it's like I, I try to tell people all the time, like you have to tailor your expectations for the people in which you are expecting it. Mm. Like I, I can't have an expectation, like, you know, with the whole Hillary Clinton shit, right? When Hillary didn't get elected, you know, the statistics tell us it's white women fault. Yeah. I mean, they were a huge blame, right? Huge blame. Like not, not a huge part. Huge part. Right. But that's the narrative, right? So, if you look at it from that perspective, a lot of these women didn't agree with some of the stances that Hillary took, period. Whether it was accurate, whether it was being fed to them by bots, Russians, whatever the case, that's why they didn't vote for this woman. Now, when you add in this continuous le- lesser of two evils concepts that people like to push, that's when you get people who like, you know what? I'm not choosing between the lesser of anything. I'm just not going to choose. And then you end up in the situation that, you know, for the most part, we've outlined this entire podcast. So it's like, I just want to let, you know, some of our listeners who may not necessarily understand, like, why are people voting for this person? It's because people, people who aren't voting for their lives vote for things that they directly care about. If they super passionate about abortion, they're going to vote on abortion lines. That's going to be the that's going to be the thing for them. They could they could be a a diehard Democrat. But if you get a Democrat in there who wants to uh, upkeep abortions and they against Mm -hmm. this shit, they will vote against themselves. Same way with LGBTQ plus rights. Part of the reason why Obama won that second term 
is because he had droves and droves of people of all races who identified as LGBTQ plus because they had a vested interest in him becoming president Mm. for the second term. That's just the reality of it. Now, were there black people who were helped in that? Yes. That's what they mean by a rising tide lifts all boats. But if you're talking about black, blackity, black, black, black shit, like what we're talking about, just basic shit, like being able to feel safe as an American, changing laws so they aren't written so that you can easily get intertwined in the system and never find your way out. Like those things, that's not a rising tide lift all boats. That's we need somebody who's going to get in there, fix the boat, Make sure it sails and floats for us and then help us get in there and teach us how to damn steer the boat. That's that's what that's going to take. And the only way we get there is by voting people into these positions that we need that are integral to our movement. But the more that we don't do that, the more that we allow people who have nothing to lose. Directly. Yeah. Yeah. Global warming impacts us all. Like it does. That's just the reality of it. And we all going to die for the most part at the same rates if nothing changes. So for some people who don't feel like their actual life is on the line, that may not be, you know, fracking may be something they kind of care about, but they don't really care about. Shit, legalization of marijuana. Niggas that come out to the polls for that, that I'll tell you that. (laughs) You feel what I'm saying? Like, so it's, it's like you have to tailor your expectations for the person. And I know as an African-American voter that I'm going to have counterparts who are white, who are going to vote for Trump because Trump aligns with some of their ideals and they forgive the other shit because he aligns with their ideals. And you know what? I can't even be mad at them no matter how much it hurts me because I'm having to do the same thing. Right. Except my life is on the line. And there's no way I can get these motherfuckers to understand that I'm voting mm. for my life. You voting to get rid of your minor inconveniences. We're we not on the same page. We're not on the same level. So when we start looking at these things like what they are, not what we want them to be, then maybe we can get energized and rally our personal basis to do what they need to do to show up to the voting booth. Because there's going to tr- it's going to trigger an investigation for 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 my people who didn't understand the point that we were making with electoral college. If a state overwhelmingly votes one way or the other, and the electoral college does not follow, there's going to be an investigation. Right. Now, this is what this is where like it, the cycle continues for us. If you don't do your part. You can't rely on investigations to happen properly. You can't rely on people to do the things that they're supposed to do because you didn't put people who have a moral compass in positions of power. Like we see so many promising people not do what they're supposed to do. Not because they didn't do, not because they chose not to do it, but because they didn't have the support. Amen. Come on, y'all. Come on. So I I say all of that to say I saw a tweet that was uh, 
I think very timely for today and kind of where we are. And you know, it it it's it was said by President Kennedy in 1963. Um and it goes Dante once said that the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in a period of moral crisis maintain their neutrality. We can't be neutral in our in our own destruction, y'all. Like we've seen what four years looks like with this administration. True. Can we afford four more? <laughs> like, really, can we afford four more? Because I think a twenty a twenty first century version of Jim Crow that could be a very real possibility for us. That's not me being a doomsday person. That's not me trying to tell you, oh my God, the sky's gonna fall. No, that's me being honest with you. Because we we're at a position that we've never been in in the last 100 years of our existence here in here in this country with our rights. I agree. Things could very much go back and, and in a new version to where, you know, we don't know how we get out of these things. And we already know this shit is written against us. So what what are we gonna do? To not vote is to be silent. Whether we like what you got to say or we don't care, make sure your voice gets heard. Vote or die. <laughs> vote or die, motherfucker. Vote or die. <laughs> hey, when that shit used to come out, I used to be like, yo, these know. niggas is turned. <laughs> vote or die, motherfucker. I'll be at the polls, man. You know what I'm saying? Even though I already already know there's there's probably going to be a certain person that's going to win my state, but it's other shit to vote for too. Just in case y'all didn't know, it ain't just the president; it's a lot more on the ballot. Exactly. Right. Please, please research what's going to be on the ballot and make right. sure that you are making educated. Because you know niggas will show up and just decision. You know, Democrat, 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 and then for the issues they'd be like, but, "Shit, I don't fucking yep. know. I'm just going to vote this." <laughs> Just vote get on that here. Like, do do your research and go in there and and vote for things that are going to be directly beneficial for you. Do your research, people. I'm telling you, like we we can research everything else. We can research when the J's dropping. We can research how to get a bot so that we can actually get the J's. Niggas are YouTube. Shit, I I'm tired. Now I'm tired. Let me do some damn research real quick. But niggas won't research with things that are going to actually impact their lives. And I think that's something that we have to, even if we got to, if we got to be the generation that creates memes of right. what the fuck is going on right now. Like we got to do it because niggas have to get out there and vote, especially like what you said is probably the most important thing about us telling people to get out there and vote. Like, don't just look at the ballot and say, okay, I'm going to skip all this other shit. And I'm going to just make sure that I either vote or don't vote Trump. Like, I don't want you to do that. I want you to pay attention to everything that's going to be on that ballot because those are the things that that person at the bottom, right? or it could be at the top. I don't even remember. But whoever that president is, these are the things that that position is going to be able to to either make sure it happens via mm-hmm. vote or make sure it happens any other way. You got to make you got to make uh uh you got to make decisions that are going to align. 
And it's important, guys. I'm telling you, man, it is very important. I know we've been telling y'all that for a while now. As the time gets near, they're going to con- they're going to continue to convolute the conversation. I want y'all to know it's a lot of shit at stake right now, especially if they confirm the Supreme Court justice. We're going to be in for a fight, mm-hmm. and I want niggas to be ready. Niggas got to be ready because half of the reason why, why people lose Fights and battles is because they don't know that they're going to be in one. They don't properly prepare. Well, on that note, vote or die, man. (laughs) This has been another episode. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm this is one of those elections because I mean, you seeing so much voting shit everywhere. I mean, every damn celebrity ever, every platform is, you know, just letting you know to vote and. You know, I can tell niggas are trying to get a record number of voters. So, you know, I mean, I'm right there with it. I, I understand the importance as well as like, you know, niggas was bullshitting four years ago and we can't bullshit no more. We got to make our voice heard, man. Like for real. Some way. Yep. Definitely, definitely got to make sure those get heard. So vote or die, rock the vote. Whatever it is that you want to do, just make sure you show up and you check them boxes bubbly in that bubble and make sure your voice is heard. Capiche? Capiche. This has been another episode of the After Five Podcast, your after work vibe. We appreciate you all listening. I have been your boy, Nate B. And your boy, AC, man. Peace. Holla.